today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Trying to describe the situation in Afghanistan, and uh, it's not going well, uh, especially for the, well, we're told now, thousands of people that were expecting and are still hoping uh, to be taken out of Afghanistan, and it hasn't happened yet because of uh, the well, the insurrection that has gone on, certainly with the Taliban in Kabul, but uh, some other extraneous factors as well. As a matter of fact, even this morning, uh, rocket fire has hit an area near Kabul airport once again today amid the U.S. pullout. Uh, Charles Dilladesma has details. The rocket fire, apparently targeting Kabul's international airport, struck a nearby neighbourhood on the eve of the deadline for US troops to withdraw from the country. After the attack, planes continued to land and taxi across the northern military side of the airport, taking off roughly every 20 minutes at one point. No group has immediately claimed responsibility for the attack. Last week, the Islamic State group in Afghanistan launched a devastating suicide bombing at one of the airport gates, killing around 170 Afghans and 13 US service members. I'm Charles Duladesma. And of course, uh, the attack that Charles was just referring to last week uh, was met uh, with a response from the U.S. A drone strike blew up a vehicle carrying what they called multiple suicide bombers from Afghanistan's Islamic State affiliate on Sunday. So on it goes. So what are the implications and what's going to be happening going forward and what's happening in the United States these days in reaction to this. So pleased to welcome back to the program Brian J. Karam, who is a political analyst for CNN, White House reporter, and a host of a, a great podcast called Just Ask the Question. Uh, Brian, great to have you back in the program. Hope you're doing well these days. Well, you know, dodging bullets, doing good, thanks. <laughs> well, so is the Biden administration right now. You know, when when they made the announcement, I guess it was even during the campaign that you wanted to bring American troops home. I I got the impression, Brian, it met with actually pretty strong support from the American public. As a matter of fact, even some Republicans uh, thought it was a pretty good idea because Trump had talked about doing that during his administration. Uh, what has gone wrong? I mean, you know, Biden's uh, popularity has plummeted in the last little while. The, uh, even some of the people in his own party are turning against him now. Is it? Is it the, it's not the fact that they're bringing troops home. Is it the, the, the method in which they're doing it that's got people bothered? I, I think it's the fact that in the United States everything is politicized. Uh, the, the president of the United States put his, you know, literally put his head in his hands from showing empathy while he was speaking in the East Room last week about bringing these people home. The deal was already made, as you talked about with Trump. Trump had already made a deal to get us out by April, so he had extended it. The real reason why there's any consternation in this country and, and you know overwhelmingly people still support the idea of you know bringing the troops home but what was the miscalculation that this administration made was in the fact that they didn't figure that the taliban would take over so quickly and the government would fall so quickly they thought it would be about a year or so and they thought it would be a joint uh, ruling you know joint ownership of the country but Afghanistan has always been, you know, an ununited tribal uh, country, and that was their biggest mistake was in that miscalculation. And it enabled the Republicans to politicize it, saying that it could have been done better under Trump, and that's a joke. And then those people who are already apt to criticize were criticizing. But, you know, here was a president who did step forward and say, look, I, I take responsibility. What a concept that we actually have a, a you mm -hmm. know, a, a president doing that but yeah they made some mistakes but getting out wasn't one and how they got out i mean who could have foreseen what happened uh the intelligence simply wasn't there that was the mistake of american intelligence not figuring that out but the rest of it is all politics in this country because 
today you can't, you know, pick a rose off a bush without it being politicized in the United States. Well, let's talk about that. I, I still, as, as I was watching this unfold, I could not help but think back to, uh, well, Bob Woods. Bob Woodward's book called Plan of Attack, which I know you've read. It was basically his yeah. insight into what happened during the Bush administration's attack on, on Iran. Uh, and they talked about some of the inner workings there with uh, so many of the, you know, obviously with Cheney and, and so many others that were involved in that. But it's, they, he seemed to be indicating that it was crappy intelligence. Uh, I mean, they manipulated an awful lot of the facts anyway to their own purpose. But again, uh, intelligence seemed to let them down, and they certainly did a miserable job here. I mean, how can you be that that, that much off? Because I saw the same reporting that you were just referencing, where they figured, okay, six months to 12 months later, Taliban's probably going to be a factor here. It was six days later, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot quicker than they thought. And look, if if there's anything that's a contradiction in terms in this country, it's American military intelligence. That's just the way, I mean, I, I don't know of, uh, there are very few intelligent successes that we know about, and when they are successful, we won't know about them. We only know about the failures, and when we fail, it's spectacular when we do, and this is a failure. I mean, but the, the idea of calling it, you know, America lost a, a war, it, it, that rankles me a little bit because it wasn't really a war. It was like we just gave up being the sheriffs and, and you know, in Afghanistan after 20 years. It's like, well, we don't want the job, and we've spent too much in it, and there's no investment in it, and what are we getting out of it? And we shouldn't have been there in the first place. So it's not like we were, you know, the Vietnam War was a war to take over a country. This was like being a sheriff in Detroit on a bad Saturday night gang war. You know, that's what it was. Well, it's it, to use the old football analogy, you can't play defense all the game. I mean, because you're not going to score any points. You're not going to move anything forward in situations like that. And that seemed to be the game plan from the outset. I, I mean, I know that, that you know President Biden said, look, we had two goals there. Uh, one was to get bin Laden, check that box, okay. Uh, the other was basically to, to disarm and, and, and try to ruin ISIS. Uh, I don't know that they did that, but they certainly drove them underground for a period of time anyway. Uh, so, you know, those two boxes get checked off like that. But then he says, you know, then somebody got the bright idea that we're going to nation build. And he says, every time we do that, it never goes well. And I can't think of an example where it did, Brian. Yeah, except when we, you know, split from the Brits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. <laughs> no, the problem is, you know, we can't be the, you know, that's, that's the dichotomy in this country. That is the people who are, are say, look, we just have to take care of our homeland, our country, take care of our country. And those who say, yes, but the only way to take care of our country is to make the world safe for democracy and, and knock down, you know, terrorism by being everywhere. But the thing is, as Biden pointed out, there's a hard truth. There's a, a, a huge cost to that. And he's looking at it economically. Our efforts are better focused where threats are closer elsewhere. So that's, you know, you got to give. All right. He, he made the hard decision. I give him that. He made some mistakes. That's true. But at the end of the day, that decision, like you said, is, you know, it, it, it's based on the fact that we've never been very good at nation building. I mean, we built a better Vietnam after we got out. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, the same as they did with Germany with the Marshall Plan. Uh, yeah. And, and, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I guess, you know, the, the, the tact here is, okay, let's try to assist them as they can. And, and there were some, listen, there were some positives. You know, they, there were fair elections, and that wasn't happening before. And they did elevate the status of women in that society, and that's great, although I think that's probably going to hell in a handcart now because the Taliban are back in charge. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not as if nothing was accomplished there. And I know that's one of the undercurrents, isn't it, Brian, down there right now? I know there's an awful lot of veterans and veterans organizations that are saying, you know, our, our men and women died there for nothing. I don't think it was for nothing, but it, you have to question, you know, the, the length of, of the stay and what the ultimate goal was. Well, yeah, and when you say, did we, did we die for nothing? Well, you opposed us being there in the first place. So if he gets us out, like he said, one year, five more years, how much longer will we be there? It's time to quit the bloodletting, which was wrong in the first place. So did we die for nothing? Obviously not. But there's a, a very good argument to be made that there was never a clear mission and that once we once Osama bin Laden was neutralized, i.e. killed, then what's the point? What, why are we still there? So, every, you know, it was Biden who said, look, four presidents have had to deal with this over 20 years. I didn't want to pass this on to a fifth. It's a hard choice. And he made the hard choice. And now we're arguing politics over it when we should be just moving on from it. Um, and that's a tough thing to do because we have politicized everything in this country. And, and Donald Trump was a big part of that. And he's still a big part of that, shouting on the sidelines, screaming and yelling. But he was the one who made the deal. It was a Republican president that got us there in the first place. And nothing in this country can be viewed except through the prism of politics. And that's a, a sad situation. When we have been in conflicts in the past, those in the opposing party have got on board, you know, because our country together, it's a united country. Now we make a decision like that, and in the international community, we still have fighting and bickering back and forth from our own country about the decision that was made by the leader of our country. So it doesn't stand us in good, it doesn't spread goodwill for America across the world. It only makes the world look at it as if we're schizophrenic, which we may well be. <laughs> and, and the infighting is, is disgusting. I mean, because, you know, even Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell were in favor of the troops coming back home. Uh, and and yeah, I, I think even supported the extension to August 31st. But now all of a sudden, you know, this is a, a bad situation. And, you know, Biden has screwed this up. And it's you're, you're right. The partisan politics overshadows just about everything here. And it's it, it's got to be awfully tough for this administration to try to, to forge through that, to try to go ahead. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I guess, Brian, develop a policy for going forward. I mean, there's some serious questions these guys have to ask themselves like uh you know is there going to be a, a presence is there going to be an embassy there there's going to be a consulate there are there going to be american staff there uh do you try to set up diplomatic relations with the taliban i mean the, the, those are the questions they should be asking instead of pointing fingers at each other yes and, and they also ought to be looking at the military how the military put this and the military intelligence that failed and how did the military execute this withdrawal once we knew the withdrawal was coming and we knew that during the trump administration why, you know, I have sources on the ground who say, you know, it's still chaotic. And they've been, now look, they've got out 100 and what, 72,000 people, which is remarkable that they've flown that many people mm -hmm. out. I mean, that's, a, that's the size of a, you know, good Midwestern town. They just took them all out of there. That's commendable. But the question remains, what failed, how did it fail, and how do you correct it? Because the military, we spend in this country 
uh, a larger percent of our gross national product on the military, larger than four or five other countries combined, and those are our allies. I mean, we spend a lot of money, and what are we getting for that? That type of oversight is what's needed in this country, but because of the partisan efforts of both parties, we rarely look at, we just take for granted that the military needs to be bigger. And what we really need to look at in this country is can we make the military smarter? Because every time we count on military intelligence for things like this, we screw the pooch. Well, there was a debate, Brian, if I recall, just after you know they, they got bin Laden and, and President Obama made that announcement that Sunday evening. Uh, there was some serious discussion about, okay, let's decide on a, on a withdrawal date. Uh, but uh, my impression was it was the military that convinced uh, the administration to stay there because of the insurgency uh, of what they were afraid of. And, and, and the, the administration gave in to that sort of thing. So that, again, I think underscores your point about lack of in, in proper information about what's going on there. And any administration if in the White House, Brian, is only as good as the, as the intelligence they, they're given. Right, and they, they trust you know, <laughs> Trump didn't trust military intelligence, and that was a mistake. And you can trust it too much, and that's a mistake. There's a fine line in... You know, when common sense flies in the face of what you're being told by the military, that's the point in time when you have to look at it and go, okay, wait a minute, what happened? And for us to be there 20 years, and for as soon as we really, you know, begin to get out, the leaders are fleeing with suitcases of money. <laughs> you got to go, uh, what do we do wrong here? <laughs> yeah, especially because the, the money in those suitcases is probably money that was given in foreign aid that these guys just stashed away someplace, yeah. uh, which is going to be funny. One of the stated ambitions of, of the Biden administration, Brian, you and I talked about this back in January when he was inaugurated, uh, was to deal with China in, in a much more you know forceful way than the previous administration did. Yeah. Are they concerned at the White House now, Brian, that with what's happened in Afghanistan right now, that really strengthens China's hold in that area? Well, they're concerned that had they, as you know, Biden said himself, the real concern among senior military leaders and staffers that I've talked to in this administration is, what would happen had we stayed there and tied up our resources because China and Russia would love that. I think that if anybody looked, you know, they call Afghanistan the graveyard for empires for a reason. Russia didn't have a good time going in there. Nobody has a good time going in there. If somebody else wants to go in and, and sink a lot of money and time and people into it, that's going to be on them. I don't think that it's going to hurt the United States at all because it's only going to keep Afghanistan as it is, which is, a, a, you know, a boiling pot of, of misery and a mess. So in that regard, no, I don't think they're too worried about it. I think the, the problems with China are more on infrastructure, uh, their, uh, their science, their, uh, their, their efforts in the space race, and then their efforts in hacking and undermining us, you know, online. Those are where the issues are with China, and Afghanistan is a minor, minor component in that. I, I mean, they've already started alliances. You know, you know, Pakistan, yeah. uh, Afghanistan, Iran, uh, and China. I mean, and we—that's that, not new. I mean, we've known that was going on for quite some time. But your point's well taken. Uh, it's the economic and cyber wars that I think are, are more concerned to the Biden administration right now, and I think justifiably so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that what. What uh, the, the big fear is because of the size of China and the size of its uh, uh, workforce, it, it is a formidable opponent for everyone in the world. And if and as Biden has said, he doesn't want to, you know, that authoritarianism can't win. Well, if it's an economic juggernaut, 
that's the, that's the fear for the free world is can authoritarian can an authoritarian economy subvert a de- democratic or capitalistic economy and if it can then that that's the biggest fear we have to face from that type of, of government and that type of economy I, I know we're thinking a little bit down the road here, but midterms are, are really not that far away. Uh, when you see a president plummet in, in public opinion polls, as he has in the last little while, uh, the big question here is can can he and the Democrats recover from that? Because uh, as you've reported many times to us, Brian, I mean, you know, a swing of one or two seats here changes the dynamic on Capitol Hill dramatically. Yeah, the biggest problem for the Democrats is can they hold on to the majority in the, the slim majority in the House and an even slimmer majority in the Senate. The, the, the Republicans are certainly vulnerable uh, because, you know, many of them are crazier than loons. I mean, you, you got Rand Paul who's, who's, you know, out there screaming that the reason why we won't investigate a, dewor- a horse deworming medication for use in the COVID virus is because people hate Trump. I mean, that's just real Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass baloney. Um, but who are the Democrats putting up to run against them? It's got to be someone that can win. The problem with the United States is that we have two parties, one with no heart and one with no head. And the Democrats just have no head. So they're vulnerable in 2022 holding on to their slim majority because they don't have the candidates and they don't have the common sense. America is not as far left as the Democrats would love them to believe, and they're not nearly as far right as the Republicans would want you to believe, nor are they as crazy or as insane, although a lot of the people who belong to Six Flags Over Jesus and won't get the vaccine, they qualify as crazy and insane. But the rest of the United States, a good, vast, you know, Nixon used to call it the silent majority, Mm -hmm. and I'll I'll steal that term and hopefully use it more accurately, but most of the people in the United States, a vast majority of them, are somewhere in the middle. And if the Democrats can find candidates that can speak to that, then they're going to they'll fare well because the Republicans have no shot. You can't get a Republican uh, nomination these days unless you're farther right than the guy that's in office who's already screaming that you should shoot up Clorox to cure you know, the COVID virus. So the Republicans have no shot at it, but they could win by default because the Democrats can't find decent candidates. Interesting dynamic and very fluid situation there. Brian, always great to get your perspective. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us today. Sure, anytime. Take care. Brian J. Karen, political analyst for CNN, White House reporter. And, of course, as I mentioned, his podcast, Just Ask the Question, is, is always uh, time well spent. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.